This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Mary was right. He is great, and he is mighty, and he is an incredible gift of love. Dear Father, what an outrageously generous God you are. We praise you tonight for your relentless commitment to bless us and love us. We are some of the most unworthy, unbelieving, ungrateful people on the planet, and yet you continue to pour out your love upon us. Truly, Advent is the arrival of irresistible grace, and we thank you for that tonight. We thank you for Jesus, the incredible gift of love sent from heaven to us. Amen. Just last year, somebody bought a small bowl for $35 at a yard sale. It turned out to be a rare 15th century Chinese artifact. The white porcelain bowl purchased by someone who just loves antiques, was taken to a specialist for evaluation. The experts came back with the good news, that revealing that the bowl is thought to be worth between $300,000 and $500,000. In fact, it's believed to be one of only, and that's the actual picture of the actual bowl, uh, it's believed to be one of only seven such bowls in existence, and all the others are in museums around the world. Angela McTeer, who is an expert in Chinese ceramics, said it was immediately apparent to us that we were looking at something very special. The styling of painting, the shape of the bowl, even just the color of the blue is quite characteristic of that early, early 15th century uh, Ming Dynasty period. (laughs) It's always exciting when people discover treasure where they least expect it, right? Like a yard sale. Or a manger. The shepherds, the angels, even Mary discovered treasure where they least expected it in a manger in Bethlehem. Well, here's another magnificent treasure I want you to know about John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's Christmas in 316. And so one more time on this Christmas Sunday weekend, Christmas Saturday and Sunday services, I want to focus your mind and your heart on the words of John 316. These words warn us of the danger we are in Without faith in Jesus Christ, we will perish. They they hold out the wonderful hope of God's design to rescue us in love. They speak of the duty that links us up with his amazing love. And they explore the destiny that is ours when we believe eternal life. Eternal life is the goal at Christmas. It's the purpose for which God sent his one and only son. 
It's the reason for the baby in the manger and the man on the cross. Eternal life is the reason we've gathered here tonight to celebrate Jesus. Eternal life is the future. It's the destiny and the destination of all who trust in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. And I really long for all of you to have it and to know it and to enjoy it and to share it with other people. And so I'd like to make several observations tonight about eternal life that come right out of the scriptures. And, and so tonight you'll have a chance to just ask yourself, where am I in relationship to eternal life? Uh, where is my faith? And, and how should I respond to what I'm hearing tonight? What does God want me to, to know? What does he want me to believe? What does God want me to do as a result of this message tonight? So let's begin. We're trying to understand our destiny in eternal life. And observation number one is that eternal life is born out of love. For God so loved the world. God loves us so that he sent his only son to be born of a virgin. Her name was Mary. The Bible tells us that the word became flesh, the Logos, the eternal son of God, the second person of the, God, of the Trinity, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus lived this perfect life, sinless on earth, but he was crucified on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. Jesus paid for that on the cross out of love. He did it because he loves us. Scripture says God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He showed his love by sending Jesus. He demonstrated his love in sending his son, Jesus Christ. He didn't just talk about his love for men and women. You know, talk is cheap. He didn't just talk about it. He showed it. He demonstrated it. He proved how much he loved us by sending his son, Jesus. And now, the scripture says, nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of God. Isn't that, isn't that encouraging? <laughs> I mean, you might have had a bad day, but this is encouraging. Nothing can separate you from it. You might have had a bad year, or maybe 20 months. <laughs> But nothing, not even COVID-19, can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? Paul was so convinced of, of, of that that he wrote these words to the church at Rome. For I'm convinced, I'm persuaded, I'm confident that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, that pretty much covers it, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, better verses were never written than those. Praise God. Everybody ready to go home? We've had enough. You know, Romans 8, 38, 39, you could quote that any time, and then everybody's ready to go home. We got what we came for. 
Eternal life is born out of love, and eternal life is sustained by the love of God too. Second observation tonight. Eternal life is always initiated by God the Father. And that's what makes it good. Salvation is not a human initiative. We can't earn it. We we don't deserve it. it. It's not a program. It's not a product. It's not something that you can go to the store and buy. Scripture declares that salvation is a gift from God. Right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So God the Father draws men and women and boys and girls to the Savior. It's the work of God. It's His from beginning to end. He initiates it. He sustains it. He makes sure it happens. We preach and we teach and we pray and we weep for other people, but only God can change the human heart. That's God's work. In John 6, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. See, our future with God is something that God instigated. He's an, a divine instigator. He stirs things up. God instigated our future, and God will perfect it. He'll bring it about. Therefore, as the writer of Hebrews says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let's run like crazy with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us. I mean, that's motivating to know what God has done for us to secure uh, to, to instigate eternal life, to, to, to bring it about, to, to perfect it, to, to bring it to pass. I want to run the race. I don't feel like I have to. I feel like I want to. What motivation is there? Eternal life provides it. Observation number three is this. Eternal life is the result of believing in Christ. We don't receive the gift of eternal life because of our good works or good grades, or good looks. Thank you, Lord. See? You, you can't get eternal life through baptism, or through Holy First Communion, or memorizing the Ten Commandments, or perfect attendance at Sunday school. Salvation comes only through Jesus. Amen. Acts 4 declares it. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind. By which we must be saved. Jesus is the only name. The gentleman that God used in my life to, to share the gospel with me turned 90 years of age just the other day. And it caused me to reminisce those early days of sitting in Andy and Ethel's living room listening to Bill and Gloria Gaither sing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. It's an old song, and your kids and grandkids probably poke fun at it, 
But I'll tell you, it was a very meaningful moment for me. There's nothing like the name of Jesus. And Acts 4.12 declares that there's only one name under heaven by which we must be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Eternal life, born out of love, initiated by the Father, is a gift from God that we receive by faith. We receive it by faith, by believing in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him, see, that's our duty. Our duty is to believe. And when we believe, God promises that we will not perish but have eternal life. A few years ago, a guy by the name of Martin Bromage set out to become a, a, a member of a rather exclusive club, the men and women who have circumnavigated the globe in the air. The goal of the trip was to raise $250,000 for a soldier's charity in Great Britain, a charity called Help for Heroes. And before stepping into his aircraft that morning at the airport, uh, Martin said, I've always had an appetite for adventure, and I relish a challenge. Only a Brit would say something like that. He then took off from the airport, flying a lightweight aircraft called a Microlight. Sadly, his plane crashed into the English Channel less than five hours later, and Martin perished in the accident. He dreamed of traveling around the world in support of a, of a worthwhile cause, but he didn't make it even beyond the borders of his own country. The story of Martin Bromage, it really is a tragedy, but it demonstrates with brutal clarity the dual nature of our lives, right? On the one hand, we are, we're capable of nobility and self-sacrifice and courage. And on the other hand, we are frail, short-lived, and destined to die in spite of our biggest dreams. And all of this underscores the necessity, the absolute necessity of being born again, of, being, of believing in Jesus, because without him, we will perish along with our biggest dreams. Observation number four. Eternal life is a present possession of the believer. Eternal life is both here and now and then and there. It's a, it's a here, but not yet kind of thing. It's, it's here and now. We have eternal life now, but we get to enjoy it in its fullest then and there. But it begins the moment that I, I trust in Jesus Christ. It begins the moment that I believe in Jesus as my Savior. John 5.24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. When? In that moment. The moment that you hear and believe and trust in Christ, that's when you receive eternal life. Right then. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Well, when does that happen? The same time. You pass from death to life the minute that you believe in Jesus. That's good news. 
and this life is eternal. Faith in Jesus Christ is what unites us with the life of God now. We have Christ today. If we have Christ today, we have his life today. If we have his life today, we have Christ in our life today, and his life is eternal. So if we have Christ in us, then we have eternal life. 1 John 5 makes it quite clear. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Do you have the Son tonight? Do you have the Son? Is the Son living in your life, in your heart? Eternal life is the present possession. It's not just something up in the sky by and by. And believe me, it's not just old people with gray hair who long for heaven. Eternal life is the present occup- is the present possession and current occupation of everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. You with me so far? Okay. Observation number 5. Eternal life generates a personal relationship with God. Those who experience eternal life also enjoy a personal relationship with the living God. So eternal life is not just the duration of life, it lasts forever, it's also the quality of life. It's it's not only forever life, it's eternal life. It's got quality and sustenance to it. With eternal life comes a personal relationship with the living God. When Jesus was praying to God the Father, remember in John 17, he's praying that the the church might be one, but he he says this in verse 3, this is eternal life, that they know you. See? Eternal life exists in knowing God and being intimately aware of who God is, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So among other things, eternal life is an intimate knowing of God. And when you know God, you have eternal life. And when you have eternal life, you know God. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. Steve Jobs was the chairman and chief executive officer and the co-founder of Apple Incorporated. Anybody hear of Apple before? Apple computers, Apple watches, Apple TV, iPad, iPod, you name it. Guy had a bit of cash on hand, I think. At a conference years ago, a conference for developers, Steve Jobs said, I've discovered that you have to start with the customer experience and work backwards to the technology. You cannot start with the technology and then try to figure out where and how you're going to sell it. He went on to say, when we tried to come up with a strategy and a vision at Apple, it started with one question. Here it is. What incredible benefits can we give to the customer? Bath and Body Works. What incredible benefits can we give to the customer? Well, one of the incredible benefits of eternal life is a personal, living, abiding relationship with the God of the universe who created us and sustains us and rescued us by his love. And and with that relationship, that incredible relationship, 
comes love, joy, and peace. With that relationship comes the forgiveness of sins and the the freedom to pursue the perfect design of God for your life. And oh yes, fullness in Christ. That's all part of that living relationship with Jesus. We can't attract, we don't attract people to faith in Jesus Christ with our technology or our gimmicks or our Christmas decorations. No, sir. Instead, we hold up the prospect of eternal life and a a deep and abiding personal relationship with a Savior who loves us and guides us by His Spirit. We can have a personal relationship with God if we just put our trust in Jesus Christ. That's what we have to offer. And the world is dying for it. So my last observation tonight is an overstatement of the obvious. You'll forgive me. Eternal life lasts forever. Overstating the obvious. But to some people, it's really not that obvious. Whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have (laughs) eternal life. If it wasn't eternal, if it doesn't last forever, why did God call it eternal? It just doesn't make any sense. Just a little further into the Gospel of John, Jesus said in John chapter 6, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Whoever believes in Jesus will have their spiritual hunger and their spiritual thirst satisfied and they'll live forever in that that state of satisfaction with God. The Bible says in 1 John 2, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I love that. I'm going to live forever. Are you going to live forever? Are we going to be together forever? Our destiny as believers in Jesus is forever. It's eternal life. The goal of Christmas in 316 is is eternal life. So do you have eternal life? Do you have eternal life? If you have the Son, then you have eternal life. But if you don't have the Son, then you don't have eternal life and you don't have a living, abiding relationship with the Father. And we want that for you. This may be the moment that you've been waiting for. This may be the moment that God has ordained for you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. God is softening your heart, drawing you closer to Him. And if you're sensing any sort of emotion or swelling of of your heart in this moment, it could be God. Don't resist it. Don't dismiss it. You certainly don't want to perish or be lost in your sins forever. You certainly don't want that. God the Father sent His one and only Son to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life and to die a perfect death, to be buried and on the third day be raised again to the newness of life, And so he could, out of love, offer to us a living relationship that is eternal. 
It's a beautiful thing. And all you have to do, all we have to do is trust him. Trust him today and obey him for the rest of your life. It's, it's not that difficult. Our duty is to believe in Christ. So will you put your trust in Christ tonight if you haven't done so? Let's bow our heads and pray together. So my friends, now that you've heard the good news, God wants you to respond to him. You can talk with him right now using words like this. Dear Father in heaven, my life is broken. And I know it's broken because of my sin. I have no one else to blame but myself. And God, I really need you. I believe that Christ came to live, die, and rise again from the dead to rescue me from my sin. So, Lord, please forgive me. I turn from my selfishness now, and I turn from my sin right now to put my trust in you, Lord Jesus. I know that you are the Lord of everything and everyone, and I want to follow you. So please, give me your strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So if you're one of the people here tonight who made that transfer of trust from yourself or whatever else you might have been trusting in to Jesus, then I, let, let's talk. Let's spend a few minutes talking together at the end of the service. We're going to sing another song and then I'd love to meet with you right over by the Christmas tree there in the corner. Let's talk together. Let me give you some information about your new life in Christ and how you can get started in your walk with God. Let's not delay. Let's, uh, let's talk tonight. So after we sing this song, I'm inviting you to come. Mm -hmm.